0: Last week, Pastor Reggie shared with us from Genesis 25, entitled, Walk Away from the Bowl, right? And he he talked about uh, the two children of Isaac. One was Jacob, and the other one was Esau. (laughs) Ah, no, sorry, Esau. (laughs) Who was the elder one? Esau. Esau. Who was the one trying to pull at the ankle of Esau? Jacob. The name Jacob means supplanter. He is a manipulator. He wanted to be born first. Why? In their culture and in many cultures even today, the eldest gets the birthright. The eldest gets the inheritance. What did Esau Uh, What did Jacob try to do? He tried to get born first so that he gets the inheritance. But he wasn't born first. So what happened? One day, as we know, Esau became a hunter. Jacob became like, quote unquote, a homebody. So Jacob prepared a bowl of stew. Esau comes in from hunting, tired and famished. And he says... Give me that bowl of soup. Because I'm about to die. Jacob as he is. No problem. Just swear over your birthright to me. And I will give you the bowl of soup. Stimulus will trigger a reaction. Right? What did Esau do? He reacted to his situation. He gave in to his hunger. He gave in to his physical need. He did not respond. He did not value. He did not estimate. He did not do his due diligence. If I give in to this, I lose my birthright. He decided, never mind, I'm hungry. I want it right here, right now. And Pastor Reggie challenged us walk away. Never make decisions when you're emotional. Why? When you make decisions and you're emotional, many times they're the wrong decision. When you walk away, it gives you time to process, it gives you time to think. And may I suggest, it gives you time to pray. God, is this really your will? me, many times what you and I do is we make a decision and then tell God okay God I already made the decision can you just bless it what you and I could have done was step back walk away from the bowl and instead of reacting to the situation we respond I shared with our D group this week the man with the spirit of God makes judgments about all things. The man with the Spirit. So when you're faced with a situation like this, consult through the Holy Spirit. God, is this your will for me? You may not have your Bible handy and flip through the pages, but you have the Holy Spirit with you, do you? Yes. And you can consult the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will guide you into all truth. That's why when we make decisions, it must be based on the Word of God. Pastor Reggie showed this quote from Pastor Rick Warren. Biblical convictions are essential for spiritual growth and maturity. What is ironic today is that people often have what? Strong convictions about weak issues. Oh, New England is going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, North Carolina is going to take it all. So what? I'm not going to go to church because Super Bowl is on a Sunday. Never mind if Exodus 20 says what? There you go, you see Keep the Sabbath day holy. What does holy mean? Keep it separate. Keep it apart. Make it different because that is the holy day of the Lord. Strong convictions about weak issues. At the expense of what? While having weak convictions about major issues. Like what is right, what is wrong, what is pleasing to God, what is displeasing to God. That's why we show you this time and time again. God's triangle of blessings, it begins with God. And what? You apply faith to what God says and the proof of your faith is in obedience. You and I must know the promises of God, the word of God, the commandments of God, the warnings of God. And as we apply faith, it translates to obedience because faith without works is dead. That's the argument of the book of James. You say you have works, I say I have faith. They are not in contrast with each other. If you say you have faith, it must be accompanied by action. So God, faith, translates to obedience. If I really believe God by faith, I will act on it. Now many people in the world today Read the same Bible you and I read. But because of the pressures of society, this is what's happening now. You see it? Can you read it? What's the headline? Another Baptist church votes to approve. Gay marriage. Many times when you hear the word Baptist, they're the kind of strict ones, right? What did they just do? How about this one? This is even more recent. Can you read it? You see the breakdown between the Word of God, faith, and obedience? How can they be blessed? How can this society be blessed if they choose to disobey what God has laid forth in Scripture? A pastor, I won't mention his name. Some of you know him. Approached me one time. I was preparing to teach. And two of them came over to me. Here's Pastor Rinsong. Pastor Rinsong. You think we can allow a gay man to be a pastor? I said to him, I, l- I looked at him and said, you really still need to ask that question? Okay, let me show you. The pastor must be husband of but one wife. Is that still a question? The Bible says husband of but one wife, but his this this. I have, I have no argument with you. But this is the word of God. And what you do, or what you're trying to do, is to go against the word of God. You're trying to compromise the word of God. If we're going to compromise the word of God, what will be our standard? Today, tomorrow, next year. And I believe, because we are Christ Commission Fellowship, I believe that the breakdown of Germany's Protestant church to vote to allow gay marriage and this Baptist church to approve gay marriage is simply this. Remember, I asked this question. I asked this question. I even gave you my telephone number. And I even gave prices. And these are the results. Are you ready? That is the first text I got. Do you see the miscommunication or the disconnect that we have? I remove one because I don't know the number. The the text came in. I'm right, diba? If in this congregation alone we cannot define amongst ourselves what intentional discipleship is. Houston, we have a problem. Right? Because one group believes intentional discipleship is done this way, or that way, or this day, or that way. Right? So can we suggest to you a working definition of what is intentional discipleship? Are you ready? We, the Pastor Daniel and myself, have tried to encapsulate it. All right? It's a bit, it's a mouthful. But bear with me. Can we read this? Intentional discipleship is proactively helping the believer grow in Christ-like maturity by modeling and teaching humble obedience to all that God commands. Proactive. Many times, even in the D-groups in Manila, we only come to the situation where or when there is already a problem. But we can avoid a lot of these conflicts when we are proactive. Just a call, just a text. How are you doing? Is everything okay? I missed you last Sunday. Is everything alright? What it is, is we're helping the younger believer to what? Grow. Grow in what? Christ-like maturity. How? By modeling it. I cannot teach you, I cannot encourage you to be like Christ if I myself am not like Christ. Yes? Parents, can you teach your children about good diet, no smoking, no drinking if you yourself don't follow? Answer. Answer. No. And then it also has teaching. And I'll show you in a while. Teaching. Modeling without word. And teaching with word. Word with action. Right? And teaching them how? In humility. I have not attained it yet. I'm a work in progress like you. That's why I want to help you. And as I help you, I also get help. And what is the goal? Humble obedience to what? To all that God commands. I know it's a mouthful. But if you and I have this working definition of what intentional discipleship is, the next time we take the survey, it won't be high. It will be, hello. (laughs) Because that's the trend now. Adele, hello. All right? So are you ready for this morning's message? I'm not going to preach on Genesis. Because of this disconnect, I've been chewing on this. Why, why all of these answers? So I want to challenge all of us this morning. What is this? Oh, do you like? Yes? Dark chocolate m M&M. and m M&M's with some nuts. You like that, right? Almonds. Nice. So this is the title of my message for us this morning. The M&M's. So that you remember. The M&M's of intentional discipleship. Right? And guess what our main verse is? I give you one verse. I give you one guess. What is it? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And there you are, seated in your chairs and say, "Nana, man." I think we all need that reminder because we haven't digested it yet. And we're getting all of these. Some of them are right. Some of them are really part of it. But we need to encapsulate everything. So bear with me as we read it again. Can we all stand and read this? Matthew 28:18 to 20. And Jesus came up, everyone, and spoke to them. Therefore, teaching them Let's pray. God, your word stands forever. May all of us listen to your word and apply what you want us to apply in our individual and collective lives so that the glory goes back to you. Bless us, O oh God, for this is your word, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you may be seated. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. The very verse that is displayed here at the back. The very verse that the whole CCF movement has been founded on. Now let's begin. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who is Jesus? And what authority does he have over you and I? All authority. That's why we say and we preach that Jesus should only not be received as your Savior because you might lose the fact that He is also the Lord of your life. You and I cannot receive salvation having Jesus only as our Savior. We must also accept Him into our lives as our Lord. How do I know this? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, what? Jesus as Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. What is the outcome? You'll be saved. So what do you need to believe about Jesus Christ? That He is your Savior, but He is also your Lord. Alright? Not only that, the Bible tells us That all authority has been given to Jesus, both in heaven and on earth. So who has the most authority over everyone and over everywhere? Jesus. So when he says something, shouldn't you and I listen to it? Shouldn't you and I obey what he is telling us? Yes? Yes. Very good. We're on the same page. And what is he telling us? What is he telling us? First, the first M&M. Mission. What is the mission? We have the commissioner, the one who is sending us out. And he has all authority both in heaven and on earth. That's Jesus Christ. And he is saying what? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So what is the mission? Make disciples. Some will say, what is the mission? Go. That's the proactive part. But the Greek verb is to make disciples. In other words, as you go about your daily routine, seek for an opportunity to be able to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone who needs salvation your friend, your family, your office mate, even your enemy. Ask for an opportunity to bring the gospel that they may be saved. And when God, if and when God allows you the privilege of helping this new believer grow in Christ's likeness then you have began to disciple. The word disciple is not just Christian. The word disciple means follower. One who follows another. So, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is one who has come to faith in Jesus Christ and has begun to obey. That's why we try to change our mindset, not just the word Christian, but to really become a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. Should we evangelize? Should we share the good news? Yes. But don't stop there. Because if God allows you the opportunity, take that opportunity to help this new believer come not only to faith, but to Christ-like maturity. Get it? So what's the mission? To make disciples. What is the method? You like the orange uh, M&M? What's the method? The method... Same thing, discipleship. Pastor Danny many months ago, I think maybe a year and a half ago even, said what is discipleship? To disciple God's sheep. Discipleship, that is the process. The process of bringing the new believer to Christ-like maturity for the purpose of spiritual multiplication for the glory of God. It's not new. We have time and time again shared that definition with you. You say my struggle, if we have been conveying this to you time and time again, why do we still get differing answers about what intentional discipleship is? We have a mission, is to make disciples. What is the pro- what is the method? The method is discipleship. The method is discipleship. You come to a group, you hold each other accountable, you read the word of God, you challenge each other based on the word of God, you begin to grow. That's discipleship. You can pray for one another, you can encourage one another, all the one another's you can find in a discipleship group. Just don't come up to me and, Pastor, I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Really? Really? What is your gift? Criticism, Pastor. <laughs> I have the gift of complaining. Oh, uh, may I share with you? There is no passage in the Bible that says criticism and complaining is a spiritual gift. Why? We base it on the Word of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We want you to grow in love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is evidence that is your way of proving to yourself that you are really a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ. Because if you're really in the Lord, God will change your life. He will accept you as is where is, but He will not let you stay as you are. He will do something in your life to mold you Into the image and likeness of his son Jesus Christ. It is his promise in Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image and likeness of his son Jesus Christ. He will chisel you out. He will mold you. He will make you to become more like his son Jesus Christ. The mission is to make disciples. The method is discipleship. There is a measure. How do we know? What is the measure? If my discipleship, if the process of discipleship is really working in my life. Are you ready? Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Ah, Pastor, no problem. Observe eh. Oh, yeah? Oh, I'm already observing you. Is that what the Bible telling us? No. The Bible is telling us that we must have the mindset, the attitude, the determination the will, the desire to obey all that God has commanded to us. You see those two churches? They have decided against what God says. Let's not focus on what what they do. God will take care of them. Right? Let us focus on what God is telling us to do. He says To obey all. And what is the promise? Look at it. Huh? That is the manifest, manifold presence of God. That if you do this, if you obey this command to obey all, the presence of God, is there? You see, we, we know so many things about the Bible and what we're supposed to do, etc., etc., right? Yes or no? Yeah, okay, this group says yes. This group says I'm hungry. Okay, never mind. When we do something that is against the Bible, what is that? So why don't you like to answer with boldness now? When you and I do not do what God commands, what is that? Disobedience. Sin. Not doing or doing what you are not supposed to do. How about the other side? What is that also? If you do what God tells you not to do, that is sin. If you don't do, it is also sin. You know there is another word for sin in the Bible. The Greek word for it is hamartia. Okay? You know what hamartia means? Hamartia is another Greek word for sin which means to miss the mark. Get it? You may not be doing this. You may be doing that. But if you're missing the mark, if you're missing the bull's eye, what am I trying to tell us? Including myself. We should strive to obey all. Because many times, because of, because of who we are, our humanity, ah, only God can do that because only God is God. Well, yeah. Mommy, right? Taolang po, patawad. Brother, have you already gone to your brother and asked for forgiveness? Yes. What did he say? Only God forgives. I don't. Oh, you know that movie? Oh, Never mind the movie. No, that's not Bill Santos. No, never mind. Clint Eastwood, June. God forgives, I don't. Never mind. If we don't have before us this measure, okay, this measure, we will miss the mark. When we miss the mark, we could become complacent. When we become complacent, we can become cold. When we become cold, we can drift away. You and I have to keep the fire of our love for God always burning. Well, pastor, you know, I give my tithe. I've reconciled with my wife. It's just, you know, I just have this uh, fling once in a while. Is that obeying all? Oh, you see? You are very uh, consentidora. Is that obeying all? You're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing that for the Lord, yes. But what else are you not doing that God needs to address? God needs to change. Yes, you've come a long way, baby. The cigarette commercial says. You remember? Yeah. But there is still a longer way to go, so don't stop. Don't be deceived by the devil. Why? Because especially in the Filipino culture, pwede, na yan. pwede na yan. There is still a lot more growth. There is still a lot more to achieve for the Lord. But, na yan, na yan. okay na yan, okay na yan. What is God telling us to do? Huh? Obey all. Now, imagine if this king in the Bible was also deceived to think that he's obeying all. Look. 1 Samuel 15:2 to 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he has set himself against him on the way where he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all he has. Do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child, infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. This is the prophet Samuel speaking to King Saul. God was going to execute his judgment through King Saul. And he says, destroy, obliterate utterly the Amalekites because they have done wrong in the eyes of God. Is the command clear? Utterly destroy everything, man, woman, child, animals, anything that has to do with Amalek, you must destroy. So what does Saul do? Verse 7, so Saul defeated the Amaleks from Havilah as you go to Shur. Which is east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Yes or no? Oh, see? There we have a problem. Yes or no? Or. True or false? Trolls. We have to make a decision. What did God say? Utterly destroy. Everyone and everything that has to do with the Amalekites. So what did Saul do? He defeated the Amalekites. But he kept Agag the king alive. Oh, but the rest I utterly destroyed. What does God have to say about that? Samuel says, Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Did he miss the mark? Is missing the mark evil in the eyes of God? Does evil have to be addressed? Yes. You have to call it what it is. But in his mind, then Saul said to Samuel, Ah! I did I did obey the Lord I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites in his mind did he obey teaching them to obey all did he obey What did God tell him to do? Utterly destroy the Amalekites. Okay, God, I destroyed all of them. I just kept Agag. Actually, for time, he not only spared Agag, he spared some of the animals. The other animals he killed. So in his mind, King Saul obeyed. He's even arguing with the prophet. But I did obey the rest of them I destroyed but Agag I spared did you obey or did you did not obey you see many times we can be convinced that we are obeying when in fact we are not really let me give you an example I ask permission from my son one day I come home from work and Lynette tells me in song Timmy, oh, oh what? Failure, It's a long test. He failed in his long test. Oh, alam mo, ha? don't give it up. Okay? Timmy, your mom says, you failed the long test. Oh, dad, I am the highest. <laughs> I say, what? I am the highest. How about those in the honors, top one, top two? Ah, they passed. But you said you failed. Yes, but I am the highest. Of everyone that failed, I am the highest. (laughs) Imagine we can convince ourselves that we are really obeying the Lord. God, I've obeyed you in this, 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 and this. It's just this area. So are you obeying all? Should that area be addressed? Ah, but we like, ay, pwede na. Okay na yan. Why? You know what? Compared hill. Presensya na. Compared to hill? Compared to toti? Ako nga, isa lang eh. Siya lima pa eh. Oh. He has five other issues to resolve in his life. I only have one. You're like Saul. But I did obey. I did everything you did. Asked me to do. I just spared a God. You missed the mark. You did not really obey all. Friends, we have to desire to glorify God and obey all. Some for Samuel 15. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. I obey God because God spared me I obey God because God has freely given me salvation through what Jesus Christ has done for me. I don't obey God so that God will love me. God already loves me. That's why I obey God. You see, there was this man in the New Testament, a rich young ruler who went to Jesus and his question was, the young man said to him, His question was what do I need to do to be saved? So he had the right question and he asked the right person and Jesus told him you know the commands obey them. What did he reply? All these I have kept what am I still lacking? He missed the point. His mindset is He will obey so that he will be accepted. Having a personal relationship with Christ means you're already accepted. That's why you obey. He was using the commandments of God as a ladder to go up, to go up, to go up, to go up, and then I will be accepted. That is not the grace of God, that is works. You're trying to get to heaven based on your capacity to obey the commands. And who here in this room has the capacity to obey all of God's commandments all of the time? No one. That's why we need the grace of God. But we don't set aside obeying the commands just because we are saved. Because Paul writes, So then, my beloved, just as you have always what? obeyed now as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your salvation with fear and trembling it does not say work for it says work out when it says work for you don't have it and you're working at it to get it when it says work for you already have it you're just exercising it you get it Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I obey God because God saved me. My obedience to the Lord is the evidence, is the fruit, is the byproduct of the relationship that God established with me through his son, Jesus Christ. Are we all awake? Yes. Now tell your neighbor, mission What is the mission? To make disciples. What is the method? What is the measure? And lastly, what is the model? The model is the Lord Jesus Christ. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming what? Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How much obedience did Jesus Christ model or demonstrate for us? Did he obey all of what God the Father had asked him to do? Yes. That's why he says in John 17... I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus Christ, this verse already tells us that Jesus Christ was already in heaven with God before the world was founded. And now he's talking to God the Father and saying, God the Father? I've done everything. It is finished. It is accomplished. Now, I'm going back. Glorify me to the rightful place that I was with you even before. What if Jesus Christ, okay, he he took the lashings, he took the crown of thorns, he took the beating, and then the first nail on his hand, I give up. I didn't sign up for this. Where will you and I be? But God the Father, I took the lashings, I took the beatings, I took the insult, they spat at my face, they gave me a crown of thorns, they did this, they did that. I'm not going to do that for them. Pwede na yan. Where would you and I be? we would continually be lost because the work of salvation had not been completed. That's why he said, I have accomplished. I have accomplished it. And what does Jesus ask us? Therefore, you, you and I, you and I are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. That's hard. That's the standard. Jesus Christ modeled perfect obedience and he asks no less from us. In 1 Peter, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which was yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, what? In all your behavior. Because it is written You shall be holy, for I am holy. You are already holy when you came to faith in Christ. God wants us to live out a holy life. And he wants us to be holy in all our behavior. So is the Bible consistent? When Matthew 28 says, obey all? Yes. Jesus Christ modeled it for us. And Paul writes, this is talking about Paul. Okay? Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. What does he do? I press on. I press on so that I may lay hold of what for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I have not arrived. I'm on my way. I have not gotten there yet, but I press on. And he says, let us therefore have as many as are perfect. Have what? This attitude. This desire. This drive. This goal. Have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. What is that standard? Perfection. Oh, but pastor, you don't know my particular details in my life. You do not know what me and my wife and my children have been going through So how can you just say that I should try to obey God completely, perfectly, that I should have this attitude, my friends? May I encourage you? Paul writes, I am confident of this very thing, that he Who began a good work in you will what? Will what? Perfect it. He will perfect it. When? At the day of Christ Jesus. You and I are headed for glory. God is training us. He is removing all those unnecessary bits and pieces. And we are all works in progress. One day we will be perfect. Now we know some. When that time comes, we will know in full. But in the meantime, we should have that attitude which was also in Christ. That he obeyed perfectly. And if we can take Philippians 1 verse 6 to heart, let us strive for perfection. Let us strive to obey all that God commands. Why? Because here is the promise. Oh, I cannot obey all, pastor. Yes, you can. You cannot do it on your own. But yes, you can. Philippians 4.13 I can do I can obey all through Christ who strengthens me. Only through Christ can you obey all. But you have to decide. You have to make up your mind. You have to set your attitude. I desire to obey all for the glory of God. If you're not willing to make up your mind to obey all, you're gonna stop growing. And when you stop growing, I submit to you, you're starting to die. You hear me? When you and I stop growing, we start dying. God wants you and I to grow. More and more and more like Christ. Don't get me wrong. Our salvation is secure. If we genuinely have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Your salvation is done. Paid for. Sealed. Secured. My prayer and my heart's desire is that for all of us. To be able to enter heaven. Glorious. Father. I have done. Everything that you have asked me to do. To the best of my ability. Depending on your Holy Spirit. So that I can give my utmost glory. For your son Jesus Christ. And Lord willing. When the day comes. What will he say? Well done. Good. Good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. Unless you just want to hear, well done. Parang steak. the ka. What are the M's? What's the mission? Make disciples. What is the method? Discipleship. What is the measure? Obeying all. What is the model? The Lord Jesus Christ. What's our working definition? Intentional discipleship is proactively helping the believer grow in Christ-like maturity by modeling and teaching humble obedience to all that God commands. Two questions I leave with you as I close. Number one. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? All of this that I have shared with you. Count as nothing. If you don't have Jesus Christ. Only he died. To pay for all of your sins. Only he rose again. On the third day. To give you eternal life. The second question is. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have the willingness? Do you have the desire? Do you have it as a goal of your Christian life? Depending on the grace of God and the power of His Holy Spirit living in you, do you have that desire to obey all that God has commanded you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you are here this morning and you are not sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now is the time to open your heart up to Jesus and just admit to him and say, by faith, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. I humbly open the door of my heart and I invite you into my life as my Savior and my Master. I thank you for dying on the cross as full payment for all of my sins. I thank you for rising again so that you can give me eternal life. With your Holy Spirit now living in me, give me the desire to obey you in all aspects of my life so that my life here on earth can bring the glory and holiness to your name. Friend, if you're here this morning and you took that step of faith, know that by the promise of the word of God your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have begun a journey a journey of discipleship, No, look for someone who will help you grow in Christ-like obedience. If you're here this morning, brother and sister, and you're still struggling with giving up something, an area in your life that you're not obeying all, will you let the Holy Spirit speak to you? Speak to all of us? Let's not be complacent. Let's not be content. There is still so much that the Lord God needs to do in our lives. Be it in your husband and wife relationship. Be it in your parent and children relationship. Be it at the workplace. Whatever it may be. I'm sure there's something that God needs to work on. Allow him. Give it up to him. Surrender it to him. Admit it to him that he may help you. And if you're here, you're a member of CCFLA and you don't have a discipleship group yet, get attached. Allow yourself to be discipled and disciple your families. God Almighty, we thank you for the model of your son Jesus Christ. We thank you for his humble obedience to the most difficult task that you have given him, which is to shed his blood, his unblemished blood, for the forgiveness of our sins. Far be it from us, Lord God, that we would accept salvation, but not the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Teach us, Lord, to obey all that you have commanded to us so that the glory goes to you. Help us, Lord God, to help each other on towards Christ-like maturity, so that the people around us will see what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in His holy name that we pray all of these things, and everyone said, "Amen." Amen.